I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Today, an indictment was unsealed charging Donald J. Trump with conspiring to defraud the United States, conspiring to disenfranchise voters, and conspiring and attempting to obstruct an official proceeding. That's uh, Jack Smith, whose name sounds like a character in a book where the author didn't think much about what to name their characters. Jack Smith indicting the former president of the United States for defrauding the government, defrauding the people of America, and, and some other rather odd charges. You know, I've said a version of this before, but it's evolving in my mind. My mind never rests. If if I were (laughs) Donald Trump. Your nimble, elastic mind never takes a break. You're so kind. Thank you. Uh, If I were Donald Trump and uh, and somebody came to me, they said, hey, Donnie, you got this issue. All those uh, all those documents you kept as souvenirs. And you remember that attack plan of Iran you showed to those people and. Then you ask the janitor to, to erase the tapes and the rest of it. They, they kind of got you dead to rights on that stuff. I know it's kind of crazy because it probably didn't do much damage to anything, but um, <clears throat> you're in trouble on that one. What do you think we should do? And I'm picturing Donald Trump sitting there in a meeting with, uh, like in The Simpsons when the Republican Party gets together. It's Count Dracula, the six-shooter Texan guy, Mo. Um, I'm thinking I would, as Donald Trump, say, all right, here's what we do. Let's see. Let's release a completely fake, phony, stupid indictment before that. Let's get me indicted for something utterly laughable. And then wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's have another one after the indictment. So let's bookend the stuff I really screwed up on with two just dopey, cynicism-causing indictments, and that'll so cloud the waters, nobody will care about the middle one. That would be a genius plan. Yeah, no kidding. 
No kidding. Um, the latest from Andrew McCarthy, who we're going to hear a little bit from here coming up, probably. He's a former prosecutor, and he's on Fox all the time. He just wrote, Trump's January 6th indictment, a political scheme to influence the next election. The latest indictment of Donald Trump is politics masquerading as law, masquerading as politics. And he was scathing on the the document oh, cover yeah. up stuff. Yeah, yeah, he thinks Trump's in real trouble on the document stuff, but thinks this one's stupid. Yeah, I, I suppose we can let some of these uh, learned men speak for themselves. Um, although it's worth mentioning, as we have several times, that uh, several commentators on the left, on the center, Republicans who can't stand Trump, everybody's saying the same thing. That these charges are an incredible stretch, trying to criminalize behavior that might not be palatable, but it's not like statutorily illegal. Uh, let's go ahead with uh, some Jonathan Turley. Uh, oh, there it is. 44, Michael. This is a free speech killing indictment. I've rarely seen a more chilling filing by the Department of Justice. I mean, the question that people have to ask themselves is, when is the price too high? I mean, I, people are obviously enraged, but when is the price too high to bag Donald Trump? This indictment is that prohibitive cost. Uh, roll on to the next one, Michael. What they are attempting to do is criminalize what they consider to be disinformation. And I have to tell you, this indictment is a really sad moment for me. I had, I had hoped that if Smith was going to indict on January 6th, that he would find unassailable evidence and unquestioned legal authority. He has neither in this indictment. But what he you does know, have is the yeah. criminalization of political speech. Here's the crux of it, I think, and Andrew McCarthy gets to it in his writing today. He talked a little bit about it yesterday. So Smith comes out and gives a speech all about the riot on January 6th and how awful that was. And And the heroes in law enforcement. Right, right, brave people defending the Capitol and being beaten down. And that's all. I agree with all that sort of stuff. That's awful and terrible. But there are no charges about that. The charges are, are different things where Trump is, you know, claiming he... One and his attempts to blah, 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 which are all free speech legal, as we were just talking about. So this is what Andy McCarthy is writing right now. Smith tossed in a few paragraphs about the Capitol riot so he can try to persuade the court to allow him to fire up a D.C. jury with images of the riot, even though he lacks sufficient evidence to charge that specific thing as a crime. That makes the whole point, of course. The political objective of this political scheme, this latest indictment from yesterday, which the Biden Justice Department has masqueraded as a legal proceeding, is to rush the case to trial and inundate voters with Capitol riot imagery in the 2024 campaign stretch run. Ironically, it's a corrupt scheme to influence the presidential election, exactly what Trump is accused of doing. They want to have a trial where they can put all the video of January 6th up there, which every time I see it, I'm like, holy crap, that was awful. But they want to have all that stuff up there. They're never going to get a win on this Trump saying, go to the Capitol and fight, or Trump trying to... All that stuff is free free speech. That's not the point. So that's why he said it's politics masquerading as law, masquerading as politics. It's just (laughs) to get to have... All that video of January 6th, right before the election. Wow. I'll bet he's right. Wow. Well, there has to be an explanation. I, You know, uh, I am absolutely not going to say he's wrong. I, uh, part of me just thinks that uh, 
the left side, maybe even the left, you know, 60% of America was demanding some sort of legal accountability for everything that happened around the election, January 6th and everything else. I get that. And, yeah. And they looked at it and said, you know, there's moral accountability. There's political accountability. That's what in, impeachment's in, for. And you did it well, wrong. And elections, right? We've got that in, in spades. Right. But no, we, because everything is either illegal or legal in America. It's not about morals anymore, the right thing, the wrong thing. Now it's is it statutorily protected because we are so over-governed, over-regulated, over-lawed as a people, we no longer look to morality. So they are desperate to say Donald Trump's a bad guy because of the election stuff. We must prosecute him. Anyway, um, and, and, you know, we've got to do something. This indictment is something, so we will do it, even though it's it's just dopey. Uh, let's see. What else did I want to play? Um, yeah, we've kind of hit that. Uh, Do any of these cases, any of these trials actually occur before the election? I agree with the idea that that is the biggest question hanging out there politically. Do any of these trials happen before the election? That might not matter. I just came across a great bit of analysis I want to share with you. But first, I want to play uh, Andrew McCarthy 51, Michael, if you would. You get into this whole idea of criminalizing a frivolous legal theory. Now, you know, look, Eastman's theory may have been a may have been a bad one. I think it was a bad one, uh, but it was something that he was allowed to rely on. And generally speaking, in this country, what we do with frivolous legal theories is we figure that the jury system will take care of it or the political system will. We don't criminalize them. And that's what this indictment uh, attempts to do, I think, in connection with the incitement stuff. I mean, this is some of the low rent stuff that prosecutors are not supposed to do. If you've got evidence that Trump committed incitement, then charge him with incitement. But of course, I can say as somebody who actually successfully prosecuted a seditious conspiracy case, they don't have a prayer of a case like that for precisely the reasons that Jonathan was laying out. So what do you do? You know, what you're supposed to do in that situation is put it, in, put it aside and plead what you can actually prove. And what Smith does here is kind of nod and a wink. There's a section that's called exploiting uh, you know, the violence of, of January 6th. I forget exactly how it's articulated, but he talks about exploiting it because he can't accuse him of actually aiding and abetting it or committing it in any actionable way. It's crazy. Crazy. We've gone from never, ever indicting a sitting or former president to let's just indict him for everything we can think of. Some legit, some not legit. Most of it not legit. And then for people that are only kind of paying attention, which is by far most people, if Trump ends up in jail over the documents thing, it's going to seem so crazy to that chunk of America. What? Not January 6th, not a bunch of other things. He kept documents just like Joe Biden and Barack Obama. Uh Ignoring the obstruction of justice part, of course. Right, of course. Yeah. But that's yeah. the way it's going to fall for most people who aren't paying that close of attention. So, I, I, man, politically, how this is all going to play out for the country is just... Ugh. If somebody good. told me 10 years ago that all this was going to happen, I'd have made a lot of squinty faces at him and then politely ended the conversation. 
Uh, right. My, cur- my current stance is let people decide. Have the biggest jury in world history, all the voters of America, decide whether or not they think this guy ought to be president or not. That's my current theory. I'm like 55-45 on it. I could be argued out of it. But um, that's my current theory. Here's an interesting thing. I was listening to the National Review podcast. That's a Republican magazine. whole bunch of different people, writers, really smart people on that podcast. That's funny. You've made that error again. There are no other podcasts. This is the only one. And, uh, and they, they were answering the question, will the Republicans impeach Biden? Will the House impeach Biden? And they all said, oh, yes. Before the election, the Republicans will impeach Biden over something. Oh, goody. So if that happens, so if you have tr- a trial on Trump and basically a political trial, impeachment over Biden, with no hope of conviction in the Senate, but right. wow. So here's a little real-world analysis that I haven't heard anywhere else. It's from a Twitter account of a guy who, who comments quite intelligently on politics and that sort of thing. On the purely political question, I don't think people understand what a Trump v. Biden general election looks like. Trump will have two to three trials going on. All the coverage will be his cases 24-7. New revelations will come out daily, and every Republican candidate will be asked to defend them. All negative. Biden's record won't even come up. Biden will then drop $100 million in ads in key states reminding independents why they hate Trump and will build an extensive turnout operation to reinforce with the base. Trump will spend all of his money on personal legal fees, so no turnout operation, no campaign pre-challenges, and almost no ads, completely reliant on earned media. Uh, Nothing you see now accounts for any of this. Trump is in serious uh, financial jeopardy. Or at least his, um, all of his on-hand funds um, are being spent like crazy. Tens of millions of dollars in legal fees. One of his packs, which was being used to foot the legal fees, is, I can't remember, they had $55 million or something. They're down to $4 million now. As a political issue, this story of Chris Christie's hammered it. A uh, couple of the candidates you've never even heard of have hammered it. <laughs> that he's taking your money, you're donating to him and using it for his legal fees. I think that's a stupid political argument. I just don't think that works. It, no. It, since almost all Trump supporters think this is the politics. I'm giving him money so he can be elected president, and they're trying to tear him down by charging him with crap. So, And I'm dumb, giving him money yeah. to fight that crap yeah. so he can be president. Yeah, I Which just, part of this do you not get? Yeah, I don't think that political argument works. Now, if you run out of money, you run out of money. That's a different issue. Right. Although Trump right. is a billionaire, so you'd think he could come up with money somewhere. So a little later in the hour, why don't you should not play the pronoun game? Don't do it. We should check in on Ukraine because the war has entered a new and very interesting phase. If you haven't been followed, following that, among other things, on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. 
basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So we'll check in on Ukraine coming up. New turn in that war as it is now taking place on the Russian side of the border to a great extent. And uh, also, we we should check in. I know the story's getting more attention. The most popular television show in the world, in America anyway, is actually a YouTube show, Mr. Beast. And one of the characters is trans, and that is a huge deal for millions of viewers. You might not know about it. But it is the most popular show in America. And kids. Oh, yeah. In large part, right? It just occurred to me, this might be where my kids got their views that are being called conservative about Mm. all these cultural issues. So Colin Wright wrote a brilliant piece uh, appeared a while ago in the Wall Street Journal, Why You Shouldn't Play the Pronoun Game. And he explains that proponents of radical gender ideology have completely decoupled the term man, woman, boy, and girl from biological sex. Gender ideology teaches that the terms man, boy, woman, girl, and their corresponding he, his, she, her, etc. refers to gender identity, while male and female refer to biological sex, etc. But what does it mean to identify as a man or a woman? Gender activists believe that being a man or woman requires embracing stereotypes of masculinity or femininity, respectively, or the different social roles and expectations society imposes on people because of their sex. Uh, Planned Parenthood explicitly states that gender identity is how you feel inside. And the point he makes, and I wish we had time for the whole thing, is it's all of it, including the genderbred person, is so steeped in stereotypes. It's unbelievable. If you're an effeminate dude, you're not a dude. You're a woman. You identify as a woman, and you should call yourself a woman and, and say she, her, which is a, a bizarre notion. 
But he writes, coercing people into publicly stating their pronouns in the name of inclusion is a Trojan horse that empowers gender ideology and expands its reach. It's the thin end of the gender activists' wedge designed to normalize their worldview. Um, <clears throat> and if you do it, it legitimizes it. Um, let's see, how much time do we have? Oh, uh, The redefining of man, woman, boy, girl around sex-related stereotypes has serious real-world implications. The rejection of these stereotypes is now commonly viewed as a medical condition, gender dysphoria, to be treated with puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones and surgeries that result in permanent sterility and consign patients to a lifetime of medical bills, and I would add also frequently pain and anguish. The redefinition is also threatening the safety of women in prisons, as well as compromising the safety, fairness, and dignity of women and girls in sports, as males who simply identifies, identify as girls or women are allowed to access those protected spaces. The effort to resist radical gender ideology is reality's last stand. We simply can't ignore fundamental realities of our biological uh, reality and expect positive outcomes for society. Pronoun rituals are extremely effective at normalizing and institutionalizing the abolition of biological sex in favor of gender identity. The only proper response to the question, what are your pronouns, is to reject the premise and refuse to answer. I would agree. Or answer, your royal highness. That's my pronouns. Your royal highness. Nobody's ever asked me that. Have you run into that? Uh, no. I'm nope, not, not yet. We have lots and lots of listeners who have, though. My goodness. Right. So Zelensky has decided, okay, you're going to bomb us. We're going to bomb you if you're not following that story, among others. If you miss an hour of the show, get the podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Got this text. Reminds me of something I was talking to my kids about the other day with um, wrong numbers, either for texts or phone calls. We got this text. I will arrive at the hospital around 10.09. I'll let you know if I'm running late. Whenever I get messages that seem important, I always respond to them. Do you? Yes. Yeah. Certainly phone calls. Problem is, they can be a scam to see if it's an active number. I mean, if they're generic, I don't. Sometimes they seem like obviously bogus. But I mean, if it's got the real feel of Like, um, you know, something bad is going to happen in their lives if 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 they if they're unaware that this message did not get to the right person. Right, and sometimes it's clearly like a legitimate business call. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, and I always, you know, call back. Hey, this is wrong number, by the way. Or you called the wrong place. My kids wondered why I did that, and I said it's just you know paying it forward or being a nice guy or whatever. So mm-hmm. I should respond to this text because I hope they didn't get to the hospital and now they're waiting around wondering where they are. <laughs> that sounds like a bad one. Kind of reminds me of, God, this bit that Theo Vaughn does. I don't know if you know the comedian Theo Vaughn. He's a Southern guy. But anyway, he's got an entire website that is dedicated to his crank texts, basically. So he texts random numbers. He just like types random numbers into his phone and tries to get mm-hmm. conversations going and messes with people all the time, and then he posts them on his website. And uh, one of his most famous <laughs> ones is he gets somebody started, and and then when they respond, how are things going with you? Because they get a random text, and they think it must be somebody I know. You know, play along, because you, uh, you don't always just want to say, I don't know who this is, because that might mm-hmm. get you in trouble with somebody. And he says, doing pretty good. The operation went okay. You know, that's how he gets... <laughs> <laughs> prosthetics have come so far and then you know then they wait for the next text <laughs> prosthetics wow, <laughs> wow. He goes, it's an interesting hobby he goes <laughs> I know I should I should get the audio because it's hilarious he goes all the way down the road of I had to go through this I have no legs and now you're treating me this way <laughs> wow wow <laughs> That's not kind. That's not paying it forward. <laughs> it's not. It really is not. On a different topic. Uh, we have a war going on on the other side of the planet between Russia and Ukraine. Ukraine is fighting back. Here's a little of the latest from ABC. A drone slamming into the exact same skyscraper housing government offices in Moscow that was struck just three days ago. The Kremlin again accusing Ukraine for the fourth drone attack on the Russian capital in just over a week. An advisor to President Zelensky not confirming, but saying Moscow's rapidly getting used to a full-fledged war. Yeah, I like that. Zelensky saying, mm. hey, getting used to the war now? Uh, four times in a week, same building hit again. 
which I had, like the idea of they've accused Ukraine. You're leveling their country and killing all their people, including their babies. I bet it is them. Yeah, here's a little more from ABC News. And the Russians appear rattled, warning of a massive increase in strikes on Ukraine in retaliation. Overnight, at least five attack drones launched towards Kharkiv, one hitting a dormitory for students. Luckily, no one there at the time. And to the south, in Kherson, this medical facility also coming under attack, an operating room destroyed. Officials say a doctor on his first day at work was killed. So it goes back and forth, but ABC News presented this as a new phase of the war where Ukraine is going to be hitting back at Moscow on a regular basis. I think with the idea that they've had for quite a while of, what, we're going to make them mad and they're going to do horrible things? What worse thing could they possibly do to us? Unless they go nuclear, they can't, they can't be any more evil than they already are. Right, so it's, uh, it has no cost, do you no think effective it, cost. Do you think it could make a dent? Do you think hitting buildings downtown Moscow could actually make Putin rethink? I don't know. That's a great question. Popular pressure would have to build, and that's such a difficult topic in a country with state-controlled media and an effective propaganda operation. It it could enable Putin to further whip up the people to support his crazy war. Right. I don't know is the short answer. Right. When London was getting bombed by the Nazis, it didn't make them rethink fighting the Nazis. And that was not a couple of drones a week. That was constant bombardment. No, they were more solid than ever in their dedication to, to, to winning. So, yeah, maybe this won't work. Anyway, we'll see it play out over time. It's been over a year now. Different story. This is the soldier that ran into North Korea. To avoid. Good idea, chum. <laughs> what did he do? He got in a bar fight or something, and he was in trouble with the U.S. military, and his way out of this scrape was to run into the worst country in the world. <laughs> anyway, here's where we are on that story. The contact was through the U.N. command, not the U.S. directly. The North Koreans acknowledging they have Travis King and saying they are investigating the matter. Travis King bolted across that border on his own, on purpose, after leaving the airport in Seoul, where he was supposed to head back to the U.S. to face charges from the army. I am told he has already been interrogated by the North Koreans. But given this is the first time the North Koreans have responded to the U.N., this may be a sign that North Korea is willing to negotiate his release. He has, this been, guy, he has been interrogated. What was that interrogation like? Because when we got uh, Otto Wombeer back, he was near dead and did die after his yeah. interrogation. Yeah, yeah. So I'm picturing this guy. He's in trouble for a bar fight or whatever it was. He's at the airport in Seoul. And it's not like a long way from Seoul to the DMZ, but you got to like figure out how to get there. Then I'm going to join a tour group, and then I'm going to bolt across and throw myself into the loving embrace of the North Koreans. I mean, this guy, he chose that over, go ahead and fly home, then go AWOL and hang out in New Orleans and get drunk. Or or change your name and go work at a Walmart in Arkansas or something. I mean, I can think of roughly 50 <laughs> bazillion ideas that are better than I know what I'll do, you know, what he did. Stick your hand in a wood chipper and hope to get disability is actually a better idea oh, yeah. than running into North Korea. Oh, it's not even close. <laughs> <laughs> 
plucking wow. out an eye and hoping for sympathy for the rest of your life is still, as crazy as that sounds, a better idea than running into North Korea. I'm going to drop off the grid and go work for a fishing boat in Florida. I mean, it's hard to think of a worse idea. Maybe I'm going to antagonize a bear until it mauls me. But that's only marginally worse than what he decided. I think it still might be a better idea. Hey, uh, by the way, how did this guy get into the military? Mm. I mean, I guess poor judgment can be difficult to measure. Yeah, oh, Surely yeah, yeah, yeah. he has a history of terrible decisions, though. Well, Are we that uh, desperate? I mean, don't you work your way up to throwing yourselves into the warm embrace of Kim Jong-un? I, that's not your first bad idea. I know people. I p- Come on. Would you end up, so you're in the military, and then you get stationed in South Korea, and you still would have no, like, you haven't read up on the whole North Korea, South Korea thing? You don't know anything about it? I mean, did he think it was like running into Belgium? Just a different country? Oh, surely they have training prior to deployment to a specific country. I know, especially after some of the ugliness um, with uh, sexual assaults and and, uh, stuff that uh, Okinawans got really mad at. I remember it became quite a priority to do a little cultural sensitivity training. Um, I can't believe anybody could be that ignorant. Sorry. <laughs> I'll bet that interrogation wasn't pleasant, so we'll see what we get for the guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, again, if he's just dumb, he doesn't deserve what the North Koreans probably gave him. Although, uh, Kim Jong is probably thinking, all right, how can I use this guy for propaganda purposes? Because he's an American who willingly came to North Korea, so he might be treating him like a king, making sure he's not a, a, an intelligence agent of some uh, sort, a, a process of which would probably take roughly five minutes, I'm guessing. Um, <laughs> and instead, he's going to treat him as a, a defector, saying, look, he's rejected the West and come to the Valhalla, the be. paradise that is North Korea. Yeah, treat him be. like Dennis Rodman. Yeah. <laughs> We will finish strong next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It, we call it the wrap-up smear. If you want to talk politics, you call it the wrap-up smear. You smear somebody with falsehoods and all the rest, and then you merchandise it. And then you write it. And they'll say, see, it's reported in the press that this, 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 and this. So they have that validation that the press reported the smear. And then it's called the wrap-up smear. Now I'm going to merchandise the press's report on the smear that we made. And it's, it's a tactic. Okay, that sounds interesting. I'm not sure I follow it. That's Nancy Pelosi there. Yeah, I thought that was so interesting. That came out a while back. But um, I believe at the time she was talking about somebody smearing a, a Democrat. Uh, but she explained how it works. You you come up with some false, scurrilous accusation against somebody. Then you you get it into the media. 
And then you report the New York Times is reporting that such and such, and it's the smear you launched. It's very similar to what James Comey did with the, he briefed President Trump on the ridiculous Steele dossier purely so he could call the New York Times or have his buddy do it and say uh, the president was briefed on something called the Steele dossier. And then you merchandise it. You get it out and and everybody hears it and it uh, gets spread wide. You started the whole thing. There are so many tactics like that I'm sure we're not aware of. I just, one of the things I find so amusing about it is, you know, Democrats do that all the time, but she was comfortable enough talking about it openly because the vast majority of Americans will never hear that or never understand how it works. And so, yeah, sure, she'll give her trade secrets to a handful of people. Sure, why not? So I had the weird, is this good news or bad news thing happen yesterday that's happened to me a few times. When you're not feeling good in a variety of ways, my thing was I haven't been able to sleep. Mm. And so you get your blood taken and a bunch of stuff checked, your thyroid and all these different sorts of things. And you don't want to have something wrong with you. Like if you got bad, I don't know, pain somewhere or something like that. You don't want it. And I do. And you're a little worried about yeah. a tumor or something. Yeah, um, sure. uh, but then you get all your numbers are good, and you find out, okay, so this is just the way I feel. This is just what it feels like to be me. <laughs> yeah, you want an answer. You want something that can be cured. Yeah. So feel just, like, really tired all the time. Oh, okay, this is just what it feels like to be me at this age. This is all normal. This is normal human being at this age. That's fantastic. Yeah, but, yeah so it's, a, it's kind of, a you know, bittersweet news. Yeah, Weird. yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, you're. You, it'd be nice if one number was out of whack, and they say, "Here's a pill you take to put that number back into whack," and you'll feel like you used to feel. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Yeah, my my beloved bride uh, had chest pain so bad we whisked her to the emergency room. Oof. Hours later, the answer was, "I don't know." Really? Yeah, Nothing. A couple of years ago. No. No, and the doctor said, you know, in about 80% of the... I can't remember the number, don't quote me, but he said, in the majority of these cases, uh, we don't come up with a diagnosis. And it doesn't come back again? Or it doesn't come back again much, or right. it's a long time, or what have you. It's, it reminds me kind of of your gallbladder thing, nonspecific pain around the chest, and you think yeah. something's terribly wrong, and yeah, maybe, maybe it's just, uh, what, are the, what do you call it, fleeting, it's transitory. Yeah, I remember talking to a doctor at a party one time, we're standing in the kitchen, that's where I always hung out at parties. Anyway, this actual doctor was telling me uh, they wanted to come up with the one second pain principle, the various pains that you get, just like a really bad pain for just a little while, and how often that's just, nobody has any idea, they never figure it out, it's nothing. But that is yeah, like nothing to worry about. the most common thing in your head, in your chest, in your knee, whatever. And it's like, oh, my God, this has got to be something terrible. No, it's not. It's just a weird yeah. something got pressed on by something. Yeah, something passed through something else. Now you're fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. I had something else to say on that topic, and it flitted out of my head. Pain, the gallbladder, heart attack. No, no, I do like in no. the modern world that you can go get your blood checked, and like thirty minutes later, you have all the results on your phone. Oh, yeah. That's pretty handy. Versus the old days, where a week later you had to go in to find out anything. Yeah, there's a lot that's improved in medical care. There's a lot that hasn't. Oh yeah, I'd trade any of the improvements for the things that have gone the other direction. And like expensive. Yeah, yeah, I. I I saw a meme the other day. I wish I had it in front of me. 
it's uh it's uh i need stitches in canada it's all right we'll see you in 243 days in the united states it's okay you owe us $6500 and in britain it's something about being dead <laughs> i can't remember what you know, we played a clip from Richard Dawkins earlier in the show, famous atheist who now has said there's only two genders, so he's getting a lot of flack from the left mm-hmm. about that. He invented the word meme. He did. Yeah, it was in his Wikipedia that I was looking at. How interesting. I wonder why he chose that. I don't know. Did it stand for something, or was it after his, his grandma Mimi or something? I do not know, but it has turned out to be a very powerful thing. What's a, what's a better word? Omnipresent. It's, Communication it's, it's, device? Yeah, yeah. Hey, how much time do you have, Michael? Uh, just about to hit final thoughts. 20 seconds. Oh, oh really? Uh, we, we got a text, a couple of texts, I guess, saying, why is Joe hardcore denying that there's such thing as transgenderism, hate. blah, blah, blah. Hate. I don't hate anybody. I wish everybody a happy and healthy life. What I'm against is neo-Marxism that is radicalizing everything from racial discussions to gender theory and the rest of it for the purpose of painting one group of people as the oppressed, the other as the oppressor, and overthrowing Western society. It's all grouped together under radical, critical theory. Read James Lindsay's book, Cynical Theories. I, I, I don't have anything against anybody. I wish you well. And now, it's time for Final Thoughts with those bereft of reason idiots, Armstrong and Getty. Here's your host wow. for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Haven't heard that one in ages. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the day. Michelangelo, our technical director, leading off. Michael, final thought. Uh, very simple, Jack. IHOP, $5 all-you-can-eat pancakes. You guys gotta have a pancake eating contest don't you is that today what day is it oh i think it's is it I'm not, yeah oh. i'm not sure when, when i'd it hate is, to get but... there and have to pay the full price for oh, more pancakes shit. than i should ever eat <laughs> katie green our esteemed newswoman has a final thought katie i just want to sincerely thank you jack joe michelangelo and hansen for uh not ever making me eat any bonus whole bananas oh geez oh no so no, no 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 look to the podcast it's about, a lo- it's about a lawsuit with lizzo oh boy oh boy jack a final thought you'd like to share boy this is a this is a transition i came across this from a yates poem last night so we went from that comment from her to me reading Irish poetry. Anyway, this line. Seek perfection of the work, not of the life. I thought that was really good with the the point being, I think, you get caught up in your whole life and try. Seek perfection in the work, like whatever you're doing now, whatever you're doing Mm. regularly. Try to do that the best you can. The rest of it will take care of itself. The life will turn out okay. Interesting. My final thought is, it occurred to me uh, yesterday as I was ruminating, every time I say things are weird and they're getting weird fast, things are getting weird and they're getting weird fast, I have this like internal assumption that this is as weird as they'll get, though. Right. True. I'm wrong about that. True. Every time I think that, I've been wrong, including right now. Things will be weirder Friday than they are today. Yes. Almost certainly. Wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. We will see you tomorrow. 
God bless America. Bring some, uh, bring some cokes in, please. I'm strong and get it. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. This is a crisis. It's a hundred on the crazy meter. This is a mess. And everyone knows it. Yup. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I know, right? That's right. Let me say. Let me say one thing. The dramatics could come down just a little bit. Okay. Adios, mofo. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.